0: Welcome to... Ah! Merrickville. Welcome
1: to
2: Friday Eve, Sydney. Lots on on the show today. We will welcome back an old friend of ours from the chaser, Chris Taylor. Will be joining me after 5 o'clock this afternoon. But in this hour, Sydney... It's transport hour.
3: That is the worst tease Isn't ever.
2: It? Like if I if I was listening to you right now, I do not blame you if you just go. Let's go to Nova. See what they're doing. It sounds it sounds it sounds dull. But the I reason, reckon
3: they've got Katy Perry on. I'm just like, going to, as a yeah, hunch, don't don't do that's it. That's what they've got.
2: Oh, don't! It's not worth it. See, that's the I win by default. Yeah. People just you know what I am. They go. Oh, what do you think of his show? Ah, uh, you know, it's not that great. But he doesn't play Katy Perry. That's how he wins. Hey, uh, when I say transport our Sydney, the reason why we're going to be talking about the new bikes that are getting around Sydney, these ready bikes. I rode one around Sydney today for the first time in those bike lanes, and we've got some audio from that, and I'll tell you about that. But also, too, I'm going to get uh, the latest on a brand-new ute made by Mercedes, which is going to hit our shores next year. I'm interested to know whether or not tradies are going to buy a Mercedes ute First of all, let's get to these new bikes. You might have seen them if you've been in the city recently. Uh, they've got them. They're called a Ready Go bike now. Ready, R-E-D-D-Y. Uh, they're red bikes. Now, these are uh, bikes have got an app, right? So you get on your app and you kind of like you lease the bike uh, for a period of time, Liam, help me out. You yeah, know. it's a share bike. So share basically, bike. yeah, they,
3: these bikes, uh, they're not like, uh, you know, bikes around the world where sometimes you have to put them in a docking station. No. These ones are docking. literally. <laughs> Doc, do, not, do not Google that. These <laughs> ones. Don't do that. Come on, Lawrence do... isn't on the show today. It doesn't Let's... matter.
2: I have to do it for him. <laughs> you do, yeah. Yeah. Don't, um, don't Google that. These are,
3: yeah, basically they are, They can be anywhere. They're like, um, you know, uh, those, those um, pick up and go
2: yeah. cars. Now those, yeah, like go-gets and stuff like that. Yeah. So the, you've got these with bikes. Now I, I am, as we all know, a bit of a bogan. So therefore I don't really rate uh, bikes, free bikes, bike riding, transport that doesn't involve being a bogan. But I've got to say there is some merit to this, right? And... It hasn't always worked overseas, the whole idea of ride-sharing. Sure it does with, in Amsterdam when you see people riding around bikes in Amsterdam. That's because they're all munted. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're on a bike, how are you not having a good time? Of course you leave your bike around because you're munted. If but you've just smoked a block of hash, how are you going to give a rat's ass about your bike anymore?
3: And it's a lot more dangerous to ride around there as well because it's all canals and everywhere. You're mu- and you're
2: munted. You're <laughs> munted. Mate, I've been Amsterdam. I didn't see anyone who wasn't munted. Maybe I was munted. I don't know. The thing is, these bikes that are available now are easy to use. We tried it out today and gave it a bit of a go. We recorded some audio of me having a go of because, like, literally parked out here on uh, Golden Street uh, where I grabbed one earlier today. Got a uh, phone for the. It's a ready go app for these new bikes they've got in Sydney. The new share oh, that's bikes. them over there. The share bikes. So you can just go, what do you do? You just press reserve now and then you can go and get one? Yep. And then you just take them. Scan code on the bicycle to unlock and use, all right? So, you want to her at the right <laughs> bike. No, just stop moving the f- bike, Liam. Jesus Christ. This is harder. Where's Clover Moore? Clover! Bang! Look at that! Jackpot! Got a helmet and everything! It's like, you know, when you're in time zone and you get a claw and then you get a chocolate and then the chocolate drops down the chute, bang! You know what I'm talking about, there? Going on. Oh, good good fitting helmet, you (laughs) fing idiots. Sorry. It's actually adjustable, so I'll take the the swearing back. I apologize for that. Sorry. Okay, I'll just adjust that for my mega noggin. And then Merrick got bored and decided to ride down some stairs. It's a girl's bike, so it doesn't have the crossbar there. But I still managed to knacker myself on the seat when I hit the steps. I did too. <laughs> and you can go to our social stuff, you know, Instagram and <laughs> Twitter, Facebook. You could website. not have sounded older then. Oh, man, I just don't care. You know that. Um, so At Merrick
3: FM, you can check out the video of Merrill. Yeah,
2: people know. I don't need to go into those details. <laughs> you just say go social. People figure it out. Anyway, you can see me getting one of these girl's bikes and tr- attempting to launch it. Off the stairs down there Tough. on Goldman Street. Mate, they're heavy. Mm. They're a well-balanced bike. Now, I'll say this. Uh, we went and f- filmed it and recorded it, and uh, then I brought it into the building. Did we got the audio of me bringing it in here? We
3: don't have the audio of you bringing it in here. I'll put Is a picture up on Instagram, reason? though, of you with the bike in the studio. I literally so, wrote
2: it. I brought it up 14 floors here yep. into the building, and then I rode it down the corridor. And I even gave Jackie a dink. She never. Yeah, been you did yeah. Jackie, the head of Rock um, at Triple M. Yeah, and um, and then I rode it around the building, and then classically just dumped it, just dumped <laughs> it. I literally just chucked it and walked away. So that's what you can do with them. But I will say this, right? In all seriousness, I've always been very cynical um about the bike lanes taking up too much room in the city and them being painful and not being well uh, patronized. You know, people you don't see a lot of people really using them, and they take up space from cars, which I love because I love congestion. So anyway, I had to go down to the RMS, that's right, third time to try and register my motorcycle, which I've finally done, jackpot! Anyway, from here at World Square down to Wynyard Station, that's about 15 bucks in a cab. Then 15 bucks back, that would cost me 30 bucks. I would normally just walk it, but it would take me probably 20 minutes each way to walk. Mm. Did it on one of those ready bikes today. It, it was really good. I'm not going to lie. It was so quick. I was down there in five minutes, back in five minutes. Those bike lanes are unreal. I stopped off. I picked up uh, Lord uh, Mayor Clover (laughs) Moore, put her on the handlebars, gave her a dink down to the RMS, and I'm not going to lie, Sydney. I had... A funny feeling in my tummy, and we uh, went down. There. That's a joke. She never came with me, but I went down to the RMS and registered my bike. Got back. Those things have actually got a purpose. They're pretty easy because and a cost. How much did it cost, Maddie? Nothing. It was zero. It was uh, a three three bucks. You got to put down.
3: Bucks, you got to put uh, uh, a deposit of a hundred bucks on your account, but you can cancel that anytime time well, it comes back. not
2: getting that back. because <laughs> I chucked it in Darling Harbour. It's currently being ridden by an Ibis. That's right. The new owner's a bin chicken. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 cheap, and it's an easy way to get around uh, yeah. in the CBD. Yeah, look, okay. Now we've t- done all the transport talk. That was kind of interesting, but also, too, mildly boring. So what I want to do is I want to talk about, because off of the fact that I just... Instinctively got on a, a bike mm. and then tried to teach, treat it like an old school BMX and try to ride it off the steps there. Man, I was really quite close to probably hurting myself. And as
3: you discover, they're too heavy to pull a mono with. You can't do
2: anything, you can't mono them. Nah. They're designed so that you can't have too much fun on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my nuts will testify to that because <laughs> I drove it into the stairs and I'm not feeling as good as I used to. Anyway, one triple three, five, three. Let's just do old school. 80s BMX bike stories. Any 80s BMX bike story. I want to hear them. Love them. Now, it doesn't have to be an injury. It might have been the first bike you got. We can talk about anything you like. 80s BMX stories, right? When I, I'm just going to set it up for you. When I was a young boy... I um, inherited a little bit of money from my grandmother when she died. When I say a little bit of money, it was 50 bucks. Not even kidding. <laughs> poor grandmother. She was poor. Anyway, I got that. And I saved up all my money until eventually I got 240 bucks and I went and bought a Mongoose Chrome Moly frame, double gooseneck, tough two mags. It was the most lethal weapon of all time. Mm-hmm. And that was just, that was, and in those days, Liam, in the old days of, of riding bikes, your bike wasn't just something you went and did tricks on. That was your form of transport. Mm. That was your car. That's how you got around. Hence
3: the phrase on your bike, son.
2: hundred percent. It was your, it was your method of transport. It was your stallion. It was your best mate. It was everything. It was the world. And then you'd go and do my. What did you do your bike? I did things to it that only Lawrence Mooney could understand. (laughs) I put a part, no, I never put a part of me inside a part of my bicycle. But, it was a different time. Mm. 13353, Sydney, let's open it up. Old school 80s BMX stories discuss. <slaps> Taking your calls, on 13353, very excitedly about mm. 80s BMX stories.
3: Now I was I wasn't old enough. I was only I was born in the eighties. I was only, you know, too young to ride a bike, so I don't quite understand what you're going on about. So but it's... the amount of calls that have come in. So what did you have? Oh, well, see, I hit the mountain bike phase. Oh. Yeah, we, you know, Man, we're you a lot on gravity like, to make us go down.
2: No, they're good. Like I understand. They're good. I've got a mountain bike yeah. at home, right? And they're good. But there's just something about 80s BMXing and just BMXs in general. They're just, you just did more. It was a different time. It was a different era.
3: Nicole Kidman rode them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She rode them. Okay. In BMX bandits. Yeah. Yeah. And um it's just it was a different time. And I wanna hear your stories. I wanna hear about whatever it was, whatever experiences you had in the eighties on your BMX, of course, not surprisingly, uh phones have gone nuts. Got Rowan, hello Row in Stanmore.
4: Hey boys, how are you?
2: Very good indeed, mate. What sort of BMX did you have for starters?
4: Um, it was a I think it was a mongoose, like a freestyle mongoose or something. I can't remember. Wicked, but,
2: how good's a mongoose?
4: How yeah, good? all my friends all my friends were doing tricks and all that and I got a job. At a butchery, and saved up for a a mongoose, and And I finally finally got it. First day, I took it out, I fell off, and my balls got caught in the spokes. The spokes bit against the, you know the what's the the shaft that holds the wheel the spokes. Yeah, and I've got kind of rather, it was horrible.
2: (laughs) Okay, we started off like I mean, there's no way. This show cannot go a five-day stretch without somebody doing a nut story. It, when was the last time we went a whole week without a nut story? Roland breaks out with one straight away. i got my nuts caught in my spokes. There should
3: be a whole generation of men in Australia unable to procreate because of BMX bikes.
2: <laughs> that's why we need Im- immigration. We need immigration in this country because no blokes in Australia anymore have what it takes to make children. <laughs> it's, it's through Simon and Glenbrook. Hello, mate. Hey, you doing, man? Yeah, very good. All right, 80s BMX story. Take it away.
4: Oh, so true, isn't it, mate? It was a different time. We grew up in the bush. We'd build the jumps along the bush tracks. And, yep. Mate, I was airborne all the time. I used to bend cranks, like, every few weeks. So I was changing you... my foot stance because I'd bend them backwards. So, anyway.
2: Mate, you. so this was in Glenbrook? Did you grow up in, in Glenbrook? Yeah,
4: in the Blue Mountains. Oh, mate, you'd have wicked...
2: Cities. Yeah, but you'd have wicked places to take a BMX. That's born for it. Absolutely, mate. We'd make the tracks.
4: Yeah. Anyway, I'd... Uh, I'd... Plenty of times I'd come off a jump, you know, on the side of the street when I'd see a girl on you or something, feet off the pedals, whack down on the nuts on
1: the crossbar. Oh,
4: that happened a stack of times. But uh, what I really wanted to tell you, the story I really wanted to tell you, was yeah. my baby was uh, off the road, had two flat tyres one day. Oh. I look out the window, my younger brother Tim, whose name should have been Troy, one of those, <laughs> 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 he's decided, nah, I'm riding his bike ripped the tires and tubes off the rims and says, hey, this makes sparks when I hit the brakes.
1: Oh. And
4: he's just destroying my rims and my mate out the front, just going, what the hell is your brother doing? Oh, it's
2: and so just... Troy. You are he, so and he, right.
4: Yeah, and he, and he lived on to, uh, you know, wipe out Toronto's and things in years to come for yeah. me. But, Turned out, like bloke him me Snowball this
2: weekend. So I'll forgive. <laughs> what a dickhead! <laughs> troy will do something. It's, it's such a Troy thing to do. You know, so um, you know what <laughs> I did, right? Yeah. On my old, on my old mongoose, I had tough two mags, right? So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, the, tough. yeah, the whole idea was that oh, if you bend, you put them in the freezer and they just go back into place. <laughs> Bullshit! Sure they do. <laughs> yeah, of course. yeah, okay. Santa comes along and waves a wand and fixes your tufts. It's not the way <laughs> it works at all. But what I did when I was a kid, right? was my brother and I were both pumping up the tires on our bikes. And my brother t- said to me, he goes, something about the PSI or something like that. And he goes, mate, you're going to inflate it. Cause he goes, the, the more air you've got in your tires, the faster the bike goes. <laughs> so mate, I seriously, I worked out the biceps so hard, trying to put as much air in my tire so I could go faster at night Bang! One of my tyres
1: exploded.
2: Funny, I blew it up. Mum and Dad thought there was a gunshot downstairs. I walked in and there's a flat tyre. I'd over-inflated it to the point where it exploded.
4: Oh well done. Geez. Well done, son. Right. There you go.
2: And then my nut exploded. Um, <laughs> sorry, we've got to have a nut story. We've got time for one more. Oh, good times. I'm loving this. All right, Steve and Eagle Farm. Hello, chat. Very good indeed. All right. Oh, but on my screen, it says, Steve Eagle Farm, and then in brackets, non-nut story. Is that true? No, no,
5: no. You got that wrong. Back in the day, man. Of the mountain goose and the red lines. Yeah, the red lines. Yeah, you used to make the tip. Oh, Those things first, we brought decided to chuck oh, a no. sleeper off a bridge when I hit the water made a massive flood.
2: What? Hang on a second. It's back <laughs> back it up Back up a second, Steve. Hang on a tick. We lost you for a moment yeah, yeah, there, Steve. Yeah, go again.
5: Well, your brother decided to jump on the highway track and grab a sleeper. Yeah. yeah. He, he passed over the bridge, and when it hit the water, it, it was like a bomb going off, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you no lie, all right? And so my mate, your best mate, where well, you know at the end of the Harbour Bridge, you got the stairs, they got the ramp in the middle of them? Yes. Well, all he goes, oh, I've got to rock my bike down from here. I'm saying, Well, don't do it, mate. We're well, about maybe eight to ten flights up. He goes, No, nah, it should be sweet, it should be sweet. I'll put my brakes hard on. I said, Well, don't do it, mate. So next thing you know, he's gone down half flight, he's gone down three flights, brakes fully locked on. And he's just done complete somersaults, bike and all, landed wheels up on the concrete with a, a, a sign concrete into the bottom of the stairs down the bottom and he just gets up and he goes, how was that, boys? <laughs> oh, mate, you are kidding me. And the next thing you know, a couple of mammals walk around in their life and go, what's going on here? We just told them the story and they just, they could not believe
2: it. I can't believe that he's alive. Because if you end up a bike down of several flights of stairs, you shouldn't be with us. I bet his name was Troy.
4: Here comes the money.
2: Sorry, I go. think you've forgotten the bit... Where you give me some money. Because someone has to pay Merrick's salary. Here's a word from our sponsor.
3: Hi, I'm Mark Boris. Every single day in Australia, people are busting their guts in starting and running their own businesses. It's a big deal. 60% of Australians are hired by small to medium sized business owners. These guys are doing their bit buying stock, hiring people, and paying their taxes. So what is it like to start your own business? How do you go from just running a business on the side after work to owning something much bigger? How do you make it your future? Join me on The Mentor, a weekly show on Podcast One where I speak to Aussie business owners who are working through just that. I find out what makes them tick. I help them work out their next steps for their growth and for their future. The Mentor with Mark Burris. Listen now at podcastone.com.au or download
6: the Podcast One app.
2: Something it's new. a concept so odd, even saying the words is strange. A Mercedes Benz ute? But here it is the luxury car maker's take on the humble worker. Can you imagine driving to work oh, in a, like a Mercedes Benz
1: ute? Yeah. Who wouldn't stop? Hey, that stylish? <laughs> I don't know if I'd take her off road when I scratch her, but.
2: Absolutely fascinating. Ten years ago, if you said to me, Mercedes are going to release a Ute in Australia. Why? We've got a Maloo. Why would you bring that? Never going to sell. But here's the thing. Will they sell now? Men have changed. Opinions about masculinity have changed. Brand identification has changed in Australia.
3: RM Williams have released silver boots.
2: All right, I didn't know that. Okay, one <laughs> step at a time for old Watsy. You know what I'm like. Joining me now on the line, though, is National Motoring Editor for News Limited, Joshua Dowling. I read your article. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks, boys. Uh, I read your article about this new Mercedes ute. Mate, it, it seems as though they're coming in to actually have a fair crack at the Australian ute market, but it's Mercedes. So it's,
6: it's like two different worlds colliding, isn't it? It is, and it just shows you how much the market has boomed. So the biggest selling vehicle outright last year was the Hilux, as many of your listeners will know. But so far this year, the top two sellers outright are the Hilux, followed closely by the Ford Ranger. Mercedes has seen this from the other side of the world. Hang on, we want a bit of this, because most of the Rangers and the Hiluxes that get sold are actually over fifty grand. they are very much near luxury car tax. So Mercedes says, we'll have a slice of this. And let me tell you, it's going to sell gangbusters. They're bringing out a base model with a vinyl floor so you can put your muddy boots in it, and then there'll be a model with two choices of leather, an iPad-style dashboard, 360-degree camera, you name it. So they're going hard.
2: Mate, we've got these, and they've got four doors, these utes, of course. You know, they're, they're more like that the Hilux kind of tray ute model. Uh, so the other thing, too, is you know, you've got blokes who uh, potentially, you know, their wife will be very comfortable, their family will be very comfortable in what is internally a luxury car.
6: Well, that's why these utes are so popular. They're not the tractors they were even as recent as 10 years ago. They have to have five-star safety now because big companies like mining companies and government fleets demand safety. Yeah. Uh, they're very much... I don't like saying car-like because so many journalists say car-like, but they're not car-like. They still feel big, but they are definitely not as rugged as they used to be. They feel more like a large SUV now to drive, and that's why... Uh, people are buying it. And, of course, you can park in loading zones. But then you really upset the real tradies if you
2: do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's an interesting point. We'll get to that in a second about, you know, how real tradies will feel about this and whether or not there is going to be an uptake about it. But first of all, mate, what the price point, I think, what is LCT 70 grand, isn't it? Luxury car yeah, tax? Yeah, about 66
6: and a bit. Yeah, Our right. are exempt from luxury car tax. So I was just using that as a guide. Ah. But, and Mercedes hasn't actually said... The, what the price will be. I've taken a dart and thrown it at the board there. But if they're going to be competitive, they want volume. They can't come in totally at the top end. And if you read the quotes in the story from the Mercedes uh, truck boss in Australia, she says that we are going hard here. We, we are going for a very, very broad range. They will have an affordable version. There's even one with blacked out bumpers and steer wheels. That yep. looks pretty good to me. Because uh, blokes will want to dress them up. And then they had the one with all the bling, you know, the big wheels, the AMG style yeah. front bar, the whole bit.
2: Mate, I'll, I'll tell you what, the, the front end of them, they look pretty good. Like, you know, they've got that classic Mercedes grille. They do look mean. Uh, just very quickly, specifics, what's the donks in them? Because I know there's like there's a
6: 3.2-litre diesel or something, isn't there? So there's, there's two 2.3-litre twin-turbo diesels. Because it's shared with the Navara, it is different from the Navara. It's got a wider track. Different suspension, different safety systems, different cabin, completely different body, only the roof carries over. But it is going to be built in a Nissan Navara factory in Spain. Uh, So the two four-cylinder engines are from Nissan, and they're the same as what you've got in the Navara locally. And then six months later, mid-next year, there'll be a Mercedes three-litre turbo diesel V6 that will have more power than the current king, which is the Volkswagen Amarok. So the Amarok's got 165 kilowatts like 50 metres for blokes who like numbers, the Mercedes is going to have 190 plus kilowatts. So it is is no Maloo. It is no supercharged Maloo, which is 430 kilowatts. But, you know, we're getting close.
2: Yeah, but still, I mean, if you're getting in and around 200 kilowatts for a ute, you, you've, you've still got more than enough pickup than what you need. And We all know that Malooza, seriously, that is taking a gun to a knife fight, but,
3: <laughs>
2: you know, that's yeah, look, they are a weapon.
3: Oh, look, I can yeah. see these taking off with the mums around the eastern suburbs. 100%. You put it, the golden retriever in the
2: boot. Double bay tractor for real. <laughs> it's like we used to make that's jokes it. about it. It actually, it's happening. Yeah. Well, listen, mate. It's it's uh, very interesting. I'm, I'm going to find out about uh, whether or not well at, at some stage whether or not they're going to get picked up by trades. I want to open up the phones. Josh Dowling, uh, national motoring editor for News Limited, mate. Thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat to us about this new Mercedes Ute. Anytime. See you guys. Good on champ. And I want to open up the phones. three three five three. I've got a couple of different things, tradies. I want to know a couple of things. First of all, your opinion on whether or not they're going to sell. But secondly, I want to know because a mate of mine. He's a builder, right? But he's not a hands-on builder. He's like me. He's a wanker, and uh, he's <laughs> <laughs> he's got all of the yip and none of the skills. But he's a builder, and he builds quite expensive homes for people. And he bought a uh, uh, an AMG Mercedes, and for him and his missus. And he drove it to the work site one day, and he was laughed off the site by his own trade. His blokes who work for him. He's the boss. And they said to him, mate, what are you doing? And he had to flick the car. And he went back, and I think he got himself, I think it might have been um, Holden, Mm. because he just said, mate, I just got laughed off the site. And he goes, I'm the boss. I got laughed off the site. And I said, that's pretty funny. I would have known that. But here's the thing at a building site, and I used to be a builder's labourer, mate, you could roll up with a new earring. And you get you're laughed like, off the yeah. site. You could roll up with a bracelet. You get laughed off the what? site. You go, this is my safety bracelet. This has got, says I'm allergic to penicillin. Well, you're a dickhead. Get off.
3: <laughs> what, are the, what are the fashion police saying on your work site?
2: Yeah, that's what I want to know. 13353. Have you been laughed off a work site? Have you come up with a new haircut? Maybe you put tips in your hair. Maybe you wore a shark tooth necklace. That brief flirtation
3: with Ed Hardy shirts. Yes. Maybe it got
2: you in trouble. Yeah, you've worn an Ed Hardy t- hat to the work site <laughs> and they've just gone, mate, I'd get rid of that if I were you. One triple three five three. have you been laughed off the work site? Let us know your stories and we'll find out what you think about these new Mercedes utes. We're talking about cars right now, 13353. Three. Look, we asked you about whether or not you've been laughed off the work site uh, as a builder's labourer or, you know, uh, as a builder, um, if you've, you know, rolled up with a, an earring or a new haircut or something like that. But the conversation has steered back around, which I thought it might, is about your opinions. A lot of people have been calling it about their opinions on this new Mercedes. It's called an X Class. It's going to be a four-door ute, very similar to a Hilux, to go head-to-head with the Ranger and the Hilux. uh, Probably price points similar to it. But it's a Mercedes. Mm. Are tradies going to drive this? Like Ten years ago, as I said, ten years ago, I would have gone no way known. But people have changed. Society's changed. Opinions have changed. The idea of uh, masculinity has changed as well. And... Maybe with modernity. What? <laughs> no, I'm
3: just, we started this break talking about right. a ute, and now we're talking about the changing no, identity of masculinity whoa, 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 in modern hang.
2: society. Don't shut me down. I'm trying to get into talking about feelings. This is <laughs> steering this into, you know, how how are you feeling? Like? I'm okay, Miz. Cool, Thanks for asking. Let's move on. Are you okay? I'm okay. Oh, well, I've done that. I've I'm okay. Done with you. How are I've you? With... Good. No, you're going to ask me, am yeah. I okay? How clo- Are we close mates? No, you're going to say, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, all right. Why? I'm a bit. Okay, done. Let's move on. You're just steering this as weird as possible. Let's get us some calls, for Christ's sake. Pete, on the central coast. Hello,
4: mate. G'day, Merrick.
2: Uh, you're a tradie?
4: Oh, no. No, but I I guarantee every second Hilux or Ranger on the road is not driven by a tradie. In fact, it's driven by a wanker.
2: No. <laughs> oh!
5: Wow! That's,
2: are you saying Hilux and Ranger drivers are wankers?
4: well, they seem to think they own the road and can drive three inches off the back of your car. So, and I bet you half of those cars have never had any equipment put in the back tray.
2: Yeah, mate, that's classic Merrick Watts. That's what I'd be doing. I've, I've seen Hilux before. Mate of mine's got one. I'm going, jeez, I wouldn't mind one of those. They look great. And another mate one has got a Ford Ranger. They're great. And I thought, I, I actually seriously considered getting one. And then I went, oh, I'd be that guy. There's no dirt in the tray. I'd be that wanker. And I went, nah, you are that guy. So maybe you should buy that. Pete, what, what car do you drive? Uh, I've,
4: I've got a, an X4 BMW.
2: Oh,
5: Peter, a bit shut people up, Peter. Wankers, Peter, you wanker. You are a joke.
3: Oh, mate,
2: seriously. I'm surprised, I'm surprised you were able to dial up since you had your hand on it. What am uh, I doing sledging? Peter's called in on the show and
1: I've just opened up
2: on him. Fair call, though, Pete. Uh, good on you, mate. Thanks for calling through. We've got Wayne in Pendle Hill. Hello, mate.
1: G'day, man. mate. I've actually just moved. It's actually way from Chingabe, if you can remember that. Oh, yeah. Terrific, mate. Great
2: to have you on the show again. That <laughs> was mate, very funny.
1: I to you guys. Mate. mate, just a quick one. Like, Mercedes, been the top echelon of, of, of motoring. Like, we all can agree with that. Like, Mercedes make beautiful cars. Yep. And Nissan make bloody Micros. Like, so they want to put a bloody Nissan motor inside. So I'd love to get one of those. But I'm not spending $60,000 on... Vody Nissan Motoring. I don't think anybody wants to spend sixty thousand dollars on Nissan Motoring unless wow. you're a Top class driver.
2: Mate, hang on a second. What about the Skyline? That's a, that's a no, motor. I said Top
1: no, yeah, no, yeah. a top <laughs> I was going
2: to say, mate. They've they've got they've, they've got some pedigree in making good motors. There's no doubt about that. But also, mate, what...
1: it's people who like to say drifting is a motorsport as well. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm a little bit with you on that one, right? But, Wayne, just quickly, what about the aesthetics? What about the look? How do you think people will go being seen driving a Mercedes? Do you reckon people are going to ridicule them, lampoon them, or do you reckon people are just going to say, ah, it's no big deal?
1: Mate, you know, as you said, mate, you know where it's going to be. It's going to be along Mosman. It's going to be in neutral, Bay. It's going to be in Vaucluse. Like, you might have one or two top spots. You live out in the... um Areas of like Castle Hill and Dural and yeah, all those Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, classic um, Dural tractor, isn't it?
1: <laughs> classic Dural tractor, mate. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that's where you're going to see it. You might, have, um, yeah, you might have one or two builders buy it. And then, as you yeah. said, mate, they're going to get laughed off like a joke that they 100%. Are.
2: I'll tell you right now, some tradie in Cronulla is going to buy one. He's going to drive it down to the Shire. And as soon as he crosses that bridge, everyone's just going to go,
4: Wanker!
2: And then he's going to drive it back over and sell it. (laughs) Great to have the company of the Chasers, Chris Taylor, who's back from a
0: very rigorous season of Mm.
2: actoring at the theatre. Actoring. At the theatre. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good to have you back. I, I,
0: I thought I'd wear the tights in because yeah, once, once you're starting tights, you, you never go back. The codpiece, yeah. unnecessary. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: uh, no one's going to stab you, you in your privates right. in the studio. And the today. fencing sword, are you liking that? Yeah.
4: It's
2: dangerous. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not opposed to that. Look, we're going to open it up with an old classic today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. 13353. What can't you get your head around?
6: Merrickville residents are very confused. How do they get the measurements for the first tape measure? How do they get the
2: non-stick stuff to stick to the fry pan in the first place? Uh, uh. This is What Can't You Get Your Head Around? Now, of course, if there is something that you just can't get your head around, you can't understand, and you would like a, an unprofessional answer to that, we are here and yeah. happy to provide one triple three five three to get in early. We're kind
0: of like remember that website Ask Jeeves. We're like that as if Jeeves had had a lobotomy. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which exactly. I think actually
0: was how yep. Ask Jeeves worked. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> think, Jeeves knew uh, nothing. No, yeah. <laughs> we're we're more redundant. We're more like if MySpace made an right. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's
3: what. The reason we brought this back, Chris, A, because you're on, but also because we had a caller earlier in the week who mm. raised a very interesting um, question mm. that Merrick and I have both been pondering on. So he's got a bit of a head start on this one. I'll give it to you.
2: No, I've already answered <laughs> it. I've cracked the code. And you know. It. Tough, Chris. Okay, well, I'll have see it all to see myself. See if you
3: can have a crack. His uh, What can't you get your head around question was, why, if a door... If you pull the door open on one side and you push a door open on the other side, why does the door have a handle on both sides? Ooh. Now, Chris, this
2: studio has a pull handle on both sides of its door, mm. right? And so that is absolutely to the point. You don't need a push pad because you push the door to come in, you pull it to Mm. open up in here. Mm. So he said, Why is that the case? Now I told Liam the answer straight away because I am very clever.
0: Well, I suspect, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to tread on your cleverness, Merrick, but
3: uh, (laughs) I I sense you're about to. I suspect
0: it's not really a scientific issue, it's just a design issue. Like, isn't it easier to pull something if there's a handle? Like it'd be very hard, if yeah, you can only pull, it's very hard to pull something without a handle. No, no, yeah, no. But and why is the handle on the push Yeah, but exactly. I, I think also some people are just more comfortable because through force of habit and their conduct over the years, used to looking for a handle on a door. It's just a comfort factor, if, even if you have to push it, to do it through the vehicle of a handle. I'm buzzing him. I'm buzzing him. Let me defer to Mr. Watts' cleverness.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doors are prefabricated. Oh, you don't know which way you're going to hinge it? Exactly. Ah, bang!
3: It is his first show back for a while, Merrick. He's oh, a bit rusty. A bit rusty. Because I've
2: hung a few doors when I was... A, I've hung a few doors. That's what that's yeah. the, the term you used to describe. But you hang Jim doors. Morrison. LAUGHTER <laughs>
0: Not involved in Michael
2: Hutchins, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Not involved. Uh, Yeah, so what happens is the doors become, uh, and with this one too, they're prefabricated. So when they come in, you don't know which side you're going to hinge the door on. So you need to have handles on both sides for some types of doors, specifically for like a studio door. It's prefabricated. It's an expensive item. It's not like, you know, just Mm. a a regular kind of, um, you know, prefabricated a timber door or something like that so you've got to have handles on both sides you know what you should it.
0: do you know like some workplaces do like mufty Fridays or something you should one day a week just put the hinge on the other side just to keep people keep, keep it fresh yeah. it gets a bit stale going through doors I find <laughs> just to mix it up a little.
2: no shortage of calls we've got heaps coming through but still an opportunity if you've got a great one if there's something you can't get your head around and you want a pretty half-assed answer <laughs> but a total conviction of the belief one triple 4353 is your number.
4: Here
2: comes the money. Sorry, I go. think you've forgotten a bit where you give me some money. Because someone has to pay Merrick's salary, here's a word from our sponsor.
6: The next billion seconds are the most important in human history as technology transforms the way we live and work. The smartphone, barely a decade old, has given billions access to information and capacities they've never had before. It's changing what we can do, and it's changing the shape of the future. So what does that future look like? Hi, I'm Mark Pesci, the host of The Next Billion Seconds, a new show on Podcast One. Join me as I speak to some of the brightest minds shaping that world, the people who are spending their lives forming that future. We'll hear about their work in helping shape those next billion seconds. Listen at podcastone.com.au. Or on the Podcast One app.
2: What can't you get your head around?
6: Merrickville residents are very confused. Why can't they make a toaster that doesn't burn the bread? I can't get my head around why Tarzan doesn't have a beard. This is, what can't you get your head around? <laughs> yeah.
2: well, don't worry about the beard with Tarzan. Why doesn't he have a girlfriend? Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, it's Jane. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't have babies. What's going on there? Don't they? Well, I what thought they the had kids. Girl? Do they?
3: Maybe I'm thinking of the phantom. I think you're thinking you of chimpanzees, continue. mate. Oh. I think they... <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of Adam and Eve. Anyway,
2: I don't know what we're talking about. Callum, in your minor. Hello, mate.
4: How you going, mate?
2: Very good indeed. All right, you've got a question for us. What can't you get your head around?
4: Oh, well, I can't get my head around why an unidentified flying object identified as an unidentified flying object. <laughs> 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 Bang!
0: Oh. Bang! Well, nice one, well, guys. What else one, Callum? Was, can you identify it? It's like. You know, when, when a corpse turns up and you can't identify who it belongs to, you just say unknown, or what, what are they, jo- John Doe. John Doe. Yeah. Or Jane Doe. So you kind of got to come up with something. So mm. UFO, I think, is as good as anything, isn't it? For, for something you can't actually scientifically pinpoint? But if it's unidentified, but you've identified it as... You've, I- you've a- identified it as unclassifiable. Ooh. You've just deferred the classification. So, we- yeah, okay.
3: Yeah. He's he's dancing around the answer there, Callum. Basically, you're not identifying the object, you're Looking up in the sky, and this is what Google tells me, that you're classifying the ob- it's an object yep. that is flying yep. and you can't define it. You can't say for certain so it's a flying saucer. You can't say for certain it's United Airlines. you classify okay. it <laughs> now, as un- unidentifiable.
2: I do, I do, Callum. I have to expand on this too for everyone as well. Sometimes yep. you might go to a nightclub in the city <laughs> or in the eastern <laughs> suburbs. You're going to see somebody you recognize as a possible football player. You're not sure mm. which code they play for. And, mate, they are flying. Like, I mean, yeah. they're on the gear. They're flying. They, too, are technically an unidentified flying Fly. object <laughs> as well. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for everybody's patience on that joke. No, yeah. that was very good. We got there. Andrew, in tune, Gabby. Hello. How are
4: we, boys? Very, Very good. good. All right, mate. If, you know the expression? Um, let's go back to the drawing
0: board. Oh yeah. yeah. Where where did we go before we had drawing boards?
1: <laughs>
2: Caves. <laughs> go back to the caving board.
0: Yeah. Where did cavemen do their blueprints? Where did they? Uh, I think they probably didn't. I think that you got a lot of first drafts when you look at indigenous art and um, cave art. I don't think they probably did a you know drafts in the sand first. They just whacked it up there and were pretty happy with it. So it must be a phrase that stems from the early, early period of architecture, early period of t- town planning, where it said, before we build this church or this no, town hall, we're just going to go to the drawing board. And if it didn't work, ah, oh, that was hopeless. Let's go back to the drawing board and re-look at those plans. Mm. <laughs> oh, mm. I so thought I'd get a bell and an applause mm. then. Mm. No? no, I think
2: you're probably right around about the I reckon drawing boards would go back to the ancient Egyptians and I reckon you would have a drawing board on a slight plane so that you could look at the thing that you are building and reference it at a similar kind of uh, eye height and eye line as opposed to having to put it on the ground. Why would you have it on the ground? You want it elevated so you can roll it out and you can see what you're drawing to. What are you saying the
0: people who did the hieroglyphics in tombs in Egypt drafted them first? Yeah. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. they probably done. did. Yeah, probably did. I mean, geez, mate, if you're going to build a pyramid of that height, you want to get it right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh. For...
2: The the answer to
3: Andrew's question is: What did we say before that? We didn't say anything before that. Well, we knew that. Yeah, well, well, no, neither of you said it. the The phrase came about in the, around the nineteen, around World War II, is As when I it originated. Said, when oh no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, in answer okay. to your question, so hang on a second, you there was
2: saying, no phrase why, beforehand. Hang on a second, I was only out by five thousand years oh, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Andrew. For Merrick, your patience,
0: Mer- Merrick was ahead of his time. Like, if Merrick had lived in ancient Egypt, he yeah. would have coined the phrase "Let's go back to the drawing board" mm. way earlier mm. than anyone in the nineteenth century. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Well done, Horace. Do you reckon <laughs> you know if you know just if there was texting in the Egypt times, and you know if you had to send a delicate text to an axe or something?
2: Well, they were using all emojis. By the all, look at well, these,
0: well, they they invented emojis. All yeah. those hieroglyphics, you know, the the sort of poo with the smiley face. Pure. <laughs> that's pure Egypt. Do you reckon they would have drafted those first? Like with a chisel, like done a draft little, little text before they then sent the real one. Give a little bit of a go, and they go, What yeah. do you reckon about yeah. this? And they go. Mm, uh, I don't I'll, know. I mean, if I sober up, I'm not going to send that. This
2: guy. That looks like a poo. No, it's a scarab beetle. I, oh, time okay. for sure? one. one, for <laughs> one. <laughs> time for one more mess. I hate getting wrap up on my own <laughs> show, but it happens every day. Hello, Neil. Hey, how you going, boys? Really good, mate. All right, What can't you get your head around? This conversation or something else?
6: Uh, This conversation, yeah, that helps. (laughs) Hey, um, why do cats always look like cats, but dogs are all different? Little little dogs, big dogs, they're all different sizes, and they look different, but cats...
0: Generally, look like cats. Oh, that's very catist, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> that's well, that's like. I tell you what, mate. Oh, they all look the same. Yeah. Oh. I tell you what,
2: mate. With a, if you with that kind of thinking, you are not going to get a show up on the ABC. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well, look, I reckon a lot of cat lovers would disagree with you. You're from different breeds, a Siamese to a Tabby, they yeah, do look a, a bit different. Yeah, but you got. I know what you're saying, though, Neil. You got a you got a cat face. There's right? not as much range. Oh, I
2: know what it is.
0: I know the answer. And if we're broadening the definition of cat, like a lion looks very different to a you know a your household snappy tom eating cat. But that's where you've hit on it,
2: right? So, Neil, I reckon it's this, right? Cats, yeah, yeah fundamentally they do have like a, a, the classic cat-like face and there's variances and some are a little bit slimmer and some have bigger ears and stuff like that, but they do have a cat-like face, yeah? And domestic cats kind of all look the same. I'll take that. Dogs yeah. look different because dogs have been bred for a purpose other than just being a pet. I mean, that, be is, no that is bloody <laughs> impressive oh, stuff, God. Merrick. So you've got, you've got things like bulldogs. Now, bulldogs were deliberately had their faces reconstructed through breeding. Are like, we talking literally about the rugby in. league? No. Yeah, they they're also <laughs> had their punch punched in. And the reason why they did that, bulldogs and a lot of those fighting dogs like mastiffs and bulldogs and stuff like that have jowls yes. and they have um, you know floppy skin around their faces and punched in faces. And then you got those very lean for hunt, hunting. For fighting. For fighting. Oh, fighting. For fighting. Because if that way their, their faces were more protected by having... Having jowls, yeah. and also too, they um, were uh, bred for. They, their noses were pushed in so that they could get a better bite on another dog, and f- for fighting purposes. So the reason why dogs have such wide variances in their their physiques and in their faces is because they were bred that way for very specific purposes. Pointers, yep, bird Neil, dogs. Neil, in yep.
3: in short, in summation, basically, cats all look much like cats because they don't do of lack of human intervention. Yes. So yeah. uh, the evolution, the Darwin theory of evolution, takes a long time, right. whereas the humans need to uh, interbreed dogs to get them for specific purposes, as Merrick pointed out, means that the breeds all look very
0: dissimilar to one well, another. Well, all the big a, ta- more, the, a
6: more useful animal.
0: The takeaway yeah, yeah. from this conversation is humans need to get a lot more involved in cats. Yep. I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber's done his part, but what are the rest <laughs> of us doing? <laughs> we saw this week... Uh, Prime Minister Desperate Turnbull, I mean Malcolm
2: Turnbull, (laughs) sorry, announced the creation of an Office of National Intelligence. Uh, under a new ministry for home affairs, which is going to be headed up by none other than Mister Potato Head, oh,
0: no. Peter Dutton. It's the only time you'll see the words Dutton and intelligence in the same sentence. Oh. <laughs> oh, look, he's he's actually a pretty smart guy as a human for being. a former policeman.
2: Yes, he is a former a former <laughs> Queensland, Queensland policeman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, which is I a mean, different category. Yeah, he's
3: amazing at rugby league. Oh yeah, not so good at yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: well, he's not even amazing at that. But he's uh, so he's obviously one up from a meter made mm. on the Gold Coast, maybe two steps up. He's <laughs> been given a... Oh, Chris, mm. I don't know if you know... Have you seen my Peter Dutton impersonation yet? No. <gasps> Have you not oh, seen it? No. Oh, okay. well. So, you know that Lawrence Mooney does an uncanny Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah, it's excellent. Been working on the next one, which, of course, is Peter Dutton. Mm. Now,
3: just get ready, Chris, because you have been working in the theatre world and yes. you'll want to create a one man show around okay. the impersonation now you're about all, to see.
2: We all know I can act. Here yeah. we go. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Peter Dutton. <laughs> Sometimes people give me a hard time because they just don't get to know me. But if they do, they realise that there's more to me than just being that bloke who works in Parliament and I was a police officer in Queensland and I, I want to help people, but people don't seem to want to give
0: me the opportunity to help them. I'm Peter Dutton. <laughs> it, look, it's, it's very good. I think you give, Thank him, you. you give him you give him too much intelligence. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> dumb it I've, down a bit. Yeah, again, yeah, I dumb it down. Again, I've overplayed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very generous, Reid.
2: Speaking about acting and also, to this new role uh, of Home Affairs and this this new ministry that's been uh, set up uh, by the Ministry of Home Affairs uh, and the new role um, of Office of National Intelligence, it is eerily close to a television program that was on about nine years ago that I worked on called The Hollow Men. Now, it was made Mm -hmm. by the guys who make, uh, Working Dog, who make uh, Have You Been Paying Attention and Thank God You're Here, Frontline. The Castle. Uh, Utopia, these guys, obviously we made this about nine years ago and there was an episode in it where as
0: a joke, (laughs) as a joke, as a joke, you gave Peter Dutton a promotion. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's actually done it in real life. There was a creation
2: in one of the episodes. It was about the creation of essentially the Office of National Intelligence, right? And it was kind of seen as so absurd yeah. that it would make for good comedy. Now, I've been in uh, touch with, I saw uh, Rob yesterday mm-hmm. f- to talk to him about Utopia. And we were discussing on air and off air about the similarities with this current agency. Oh, that's brilliant. And Holomit. Yeah. So then uh, I was talking to Rob again by text today. And we were looking back at some of the footage of it. And we went, oh, my God. And it's gone around on the internet a little bit at the moment. The fact that this Hollow Men episode is so eerily close to what has actually happened, it's ridiculous. So I've got some audio. Now, this is from, this was recorded in 2008. Right. And this is from the Hollow Men talking about what was essentially a a similar agency to the Office of National Intelligence.
5: The point is, we've let it slip.
1: And the PM, Ian and Tony, want to know. How do we get national security back on the agenda? Well, we're talking reform.
2: They want an announcement that we're moving forward. New era, new thinking. So, we're on to phase two. What's that? Whatever comes after phase one. Did anyone
1: mention Al-Qaeda?
6: Yeah, but only when prompted.
1: Unbelievable. I know, I know. What about air safety?
6: Uh, Yeah, but it's more maintenance. It's that issue of going offshore for aircraft engineers. Mm -hmm. Border security gets a few
2: mentions. Yeah, that's just the television show. Right. <laughs> Still we could take a leaf out of their book, you know, crack down on Asian bird smugglers. I like this one. It talks about how the parliament is supposed to scrutinize the executive, but in reality we've combined the two into a sort of super executive.
1: Okay. See I've lost interest already.
2: Our founding fathers never envisaged how the Prime Minister's office would evolve into a mega agency, coordinating and controlling all aspects of government.
1: Umbrella agency. Phase two.
2: Oh we're ah. we thinking the same thing? Mm-hmm. Because we've got different
1: expressions. (laughs)
3: Super agency. Sounds great to me. I don't even know what it means.
1: One large coordinating authority. Like an umbrella agency, but reportable directly to the Prime Minister. Charged with overseeing all intelligence and national security agencies. The Australian Homeland Security Agency.
3: We can sell that. ASA. Maybe not that (laughs) (laughs) big.
0: That is uncanny, isn't it? And the and funny that's Home Affairs. That's, and that was nine years ago. Do you, know, do you know Malcolm Turnbull has form in getting all his ideas from comedy programs? Because remember, um, there was an episode of Veep mm. where the writers of Veep tried to come up with the most meaningless slogan for President Meyer to re elect on, and they came up with continuity with change. And yeah, which is uh, A year later, Malcolm Turnbull, um, uh, doing an interview, I think, with John Fain on the ABC in Melbourne, yes. described his replacement and his like, post-Abbott administration <clears throat> as continuity with change. He literally <laughs> lifted a line that was mu- used as a comedy punchline in Veep as his actual platform. So, it, it, obviously, he's out of ideas, so he just goes to old HBO box sets and yep. working dog box sets to get <laughs> yep. his policies.
3: Well, Tony Abbott's <clears throat> gone with a tagline for his campaign of winter is coming. So, <laughs> you know, they're really sourcing <laughs> Well played you can it. take that
2: okay. <laughs> Joined this afternoon by old mate Chris Taylor who's back mm. in the studios It's been some time since you've uh, joined me on the show Chris, you've been busy uh, theatre green, which <laughs> is the term I think you guys use for, for theatric
0: green I think Shakespeare came up with that term
2: Theatric green, yeah. uh, you've been doing A little bit of a play Yeah.
0: I love how you pay me out for this so We literally were just talking about how you acted in Hollow Men, mm-hmm. And now you're just paying me out for pretending I'm an actor You did it before me
2: no, no, sorry. Uh, the
0: difference is, of the course, difference that I do it in a proper theatre. No,
2: no, 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 no. The, no, the difference is that I um, earned money doing it. <laughs> so, um, yeah.
3: But, but you don't like, uh, Chris has come back into the studio this afternoon, Ez, with uh, a theatre habit that you weren't happy about.
2: No, well, he tried to hug me. Is yeah. that what you're talking apparently, about? And I went, ow. Yeah, Chris, Chris cool. and I had
3: a hug because apparently that's what they do in the
2: theatre. Yeah, but you're a younger man yeah. and you, you're okay with that mm. body contact kind of stuff. Me too. Old school, stuck in the seventies. But hang
0: on, you, when you look at the Australian cricket team and they take a mm. wicker, it's all ass padding and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, not even oh. actors do that. Oh, no. Mezil, pat you on the bum on the way
3: out after the show. Absolutely,
2: that is not true. But on the sporting field, I'll give you a reach around. I don't care. Right. It's not gonna... oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was too far, wasn't it? I was oh, why totally do when we I always get that? this? Because I close to six o'clock and then you let it. I'd get, I'd get silly. Chris, here's a question, right? In all seriousness, I know that you've been doing some theatre, and I often tease you about the fact that you know nothing about cars, (laughs) um, you know, uh, very little about manual labour. So here's my question for you, and I've had this for the last 55 minutes waiting to ask you. Looking at your hands, your nails are dirty like you've Uh, been doing some sort of mm, actual... Physical labor. That
0: is true. Can you see that? Oh, wow. They are filthy at the moment. Getting getting the mascara off after the performance?
2: Yeah, no, as if seriously, like after he's just got a little bit of uh, soap afterwards, after you've been working with some sort of machinery or something like that, you've washed up your hands to Mm -hmm. come in here so they're theater soft. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the (laughs) nails tell me a story that you've been doing something
0: physical. What is it? It's. Look, I really want to tell you a story that I've been under a car all day, and that's just the nails are just the l- grease that's leaked into mm-hmm. them, or I've been, you know, uprooting weeds in my yeah, garden. Yeah. Do you know what it actually is? Oh. The play that I'm doing at the moment requires me to be covered in mud. So that is stage makeup. <laughs> It's not actual dirt. It
3: is stage maker. This is
0: thespian-related dirt. (laughs) So even even my one hint of manliness turns out to be a fraud. Liam,
2: describe to the listeners what
0: I'm doing. Uh, For the listeners out there, Merrick
3: has turned away from the microphone. His head is in his hands. And I believe I can actually see a little bit of him dying. I'm
0: just sorry that I briefly had earned Merrick's respect, but he thought, <laughs> oh, maybe there's a side of Chris where he does do manual labour, but no. I just no, thought you no. might have said to me,
2: you know what, Mez, to be honest, I just had a crack at something at home. I thought I would hang a door or do
0: something like that. And what you've got is no, theatre mud. There's a very, it's mud. A it's mud. A very it's makeup. effeminate makeup makeup artist paints this on me each night. <laughs> hey, And I right,
1: can't get it all off. All right.
3: we'll <laughs> challenge, challenge, because Chris... Taylor is back on the show tomorrow. All right. Chris, you have 24 hours in which to perform a manly activity and come back
0: and report to Merrick Watts about it. Challenge accepted.
2: Yeah. It's got to be something. You have to use a
0: tool (laughs) of some description. Can it be like a bottle opener? (laughs) No. No. Okay. <laughs> right. That's your All challenge. Right. I've got to do us. something, a manual task between now and yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Like, like something that you would see like somebody in a Bunnings ad doing. <laughs> right?
3: That might like cause that. you a blister if you did it for more than one occasion. Okay. Or,
2: or a horrific right. injury where you split open right. an
3: artery. Does whisking do
0: whisk a souffle count?
2: <laughs> see you tomorrow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for visiting Merrickville. If you missed anything during this day, subscribe to the Merrickville podcast on iTunes or with your favourite Android app, 104.9
6: Triple M.